Hi everyone and welcome to Take 10 for Torah number 789. I hope you all are well. Any questions, comments, suggestions, recommendations, or sponsorships, as always, please email me at rabbiyismachatake10fortorah.org. I hope everybody uh, will have a Shana Tova, a wonderful year. I wanted to just check in quickly before the holiday of Sukkot with a oldie. Uh, this 10 is sponsored by the Lewis family in memory of Fred Lewis. I hope everybody has a wonderful Yom Tov. I wanted to discuss what I believe to be the unifying theory of what Sukkot is all about. And let me explain what I mean. You know, very often in holidays, and I've said this before, we focus on some individual things and we miss the point. We focus on dipping apples in honey and we fo- and we miss that Rosh Hashanah is about something much more grand, about accepting God as our creator and on this day of the anniversary of creation like we discussed last week uh, when we discussed this on uh, before Rosh Hashanah. And sometimes we, we miss the forest for the trees, so to speak. And so what is the unifying theory of Sukkot? What are we supposed to be busy with on the holiday of Sukkot? What are we supposed to be thinking about? And so, uh, just from the symbols of Sukkot, I'm not sure if it's obvious. We have the Sukkah, right, sitting in the Sukkah, uh, in this dwelling which is temporary and, and hanging out outside and doing everything we can, eat, sleep, drink, everything as much as we can to the extent that we can outside in the Sukkah. We have the mitzvah of the Arba Minim, where we take these four species and uh, take them and shake them. We have the emphasis on Geshem, on rain, um, the idea that it's beginning the rainy season. We have Tfil's Geshem, we have the Simchas Beis HaShoeva, the, the prayer for rain. We have the, the, the party, the festival that existed to, um, to celebrate the, the drawing of the water, which also represented the beginning of the rainy season. There's a lot of different elements to Sukkot, and let's try to bind them all together into one idea. Okay, so to begin, let me frame it in terms of a question. The question that I would ask is, why is it that Sukkot, when it's described in our prayers, is so very different than the other holidays? And here's what I mean. The other holidays, it says, man, you know, Pesach, it refers to Chagamatzos, Zman Cheruseno. Pesach is the holiday of Matzos, which is Zman Cheruseno, the time of our freedom. There was an event that occurred, we got out of Egypt, and that uh, is what we're uh, reminiscing, and that's why we're reminiscing it on these days. Great. Then we have Shavuos, which is Zman Matan Torosenu, the time of the giving of the Torah, which is also it makes a lot of sense. That's exactly what occurred, and so we remember that. But why do we have Zman Simchasenu? Right, so Sukkot is described not by an event. It doesn't say Zman Anane Kivodenu or something like that. It doesn't say the time of the clouds, which I hope to talk about tomorrow. It doesn't talk about any of that, but rather instead it refers to this other element, which is not historical, but it's emotional. It says Zman Simchasin, the time of our happiness. So now this idea of time of our happiness is actually referred to in the Torah. The Torah refers to uh, a, uh, a holiday of happiness. That's what Sukkot is all about. But it's difficult to understand why. What, what, what's, why is this different than the other holidays? Particularly when the experience of Sukkot that we're trying to reminisce about is the experience of being in the desert for 40 years and for all of this time that we were under God's shelter and under God's protection. So how, how, does this, how does this all work out? What does it all mean? So the answer is, and I think it really comes down to you know, what we consider to be the pursuit of happiness. There's this very difficult and nebulous idea out there of happiness. We're all pursuing it, and it seems that nobody has actually arrived there. Nobody has has caught it. It's very difficult. Happiness is confusing. We tend to believe that happiness has to do with stuff, things, and happiness is in the richest person in the world, is the happiest person in the world. We tend to think like that when we're children, for sure. 
But hopefully we grow out of that. But this is not something which is, um, you know, a conclusion which is so foreign. In the Hebrew language, the word osher, happiness, and ashir, wealth, a wealthy person, are sound the same. It's an aleph and an ayin, which barely make a difference in sound between them. There's the inherent confusion about whether or not it's the attainment of stuff which makes us happy, or it's something else. And so here we have a holiday, Chag HaSukas Tasalcha. Make this holiday, Shavasimim for seven days, the Asbacha Migarncha Umikvecha. From the Asbacha, the things that you gathered that were on the bottom of your threshing floor, the bottom of your wine press, the the junk, right? The junk. Go and make a holiday out of that. What in the world does that mean? How could that be? How could that be something which is meaningful? And I believe that the answer is, and here is perhaps um, the idea of sukkahs, it's not that there's like a switch. You know, come sukkahs, oh, time to be happy. It's not like that. But rather what we mean by zman simchosenu is we're trying to create an emotion of simcha. And the metaphor I always use is, let's imagine you're trying to make a camp, right? You try to make a camp and you try to have kids go to happy camp. There's hockey camp, there's basketball camp, there's, I don't know, essay writing camp. I don't know why anybody would go there, but there's essay writing camp. There's all these camps. And there's happy camps. So what would we do? What would be the activities? So the first thing we'd probably do is tell the kids, hey, listen, I know we're used to the trappings of, of life, and we know we think we need our very cozy uh, blankets, and we need our, our room and our central air conditioning and central heating, and all the creature comforts that we generally are used to in our fancy homes. We need all that. But you know what? For one week, let's see if we really need it, or whether or not we could survive on something a little bit more uh, movable, a little bit more temporary. Can we make it work? And the answer that we're going to find, hopefully, is that yes. And there'll be a new appreciation after that week when you go back into the house, what it means to be keva, what it means to be set, and the appreciation that we should have for that. So that would be one activity. And another activity, what are we going to do during the day? I don't know. You know, usually we think that joy, happiness, comes with stuff. And so fancy, shiny, glittering things are the things that will make us overjoyed. But you know, when we were little kids, we didn't think that. When we were little kids, we found a funny-shaped stick, and we were able to have a sword fight. We could find two rocks and play with them. And the simple things just brought us joy until somebody convinced us that they wouldn't anymore. And so what if we could retrain that? What if we could go back to simple and basic things and let's say give kids an exercise. Go to the produce department of the supermarket and make a show out of four of the things, four of the vegetables. Maybe make uh, some sort of story, a narrative out of the four vegetables. Kids would come back and they'd have to do it and they'd say, hey, look at the great time that I had and it cost me just a little bit. So you probably see where I'm going over here. But the idea of focusing on basics, that's really what teaches us what happiness is made of. I want you to imagine Sukkot as happy camp, right? Where asked to go out of our homes for a week, spend time outside under a flimsy roof, right, with no shelter between us and the uh, the elements. Uh, we have, uh, hopefully, uh, maybe walls that are billowing in the wind. They should not be billowing in the wind too much, um, but they are moving in the wind. There might be, even be raccoons. We might feel vulnerable in some way, but yet we sit in our sukkah, and we are surrounded by joy. We are surrounded by people, we are surrounded by good things, we are surrounded by the things that really matter, and it allows us the opportunity to figure out, indeed, what it is that really matters. And then we go circus morning, and we go to the produce department, and we take four vegetables. Now, of course, they cost a little bit more than they once did because of shipping and because of scarcity, but we take four vegetables, lulav, aravos, hadasim, esrog, we take all of these things, and we tell a story with them. Right? We talk about how they represent different Jews, or they, they, they're all uh, from the water, and because they're from the water, it reminds us about the rain, we'll get 
get to that in a moment. But again, we're taking simple things and making them meaningful. Step two, in happy camp, trying to train ourselves to get back to basics, basics like the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy, the bottom of the triangle, the basic physiological needs, the basic things that make us as human beings and make us... Um, make us satisfied with what we have. And we have this very interesting halacha. You know, the halacha is that if I'm in my sukkah and it starts to rain and I'm becoming really unhappy, I'm mitzta'er, I'm pained, you are a putter. Stop. It's a bad experiment. If camp goes wrong and something disastrous happens and everybody's unhappy, then this will not be a good exercise. And so you're asked, you're told, get out of the sukkah. You should leave. You should not be focused in that direction because it just won't work. Because the result or the goal is our ultimate happiness and teaching us that Ezehu Ashir Hasameach Bechelko, who is the one who is truly wealthy, who is the one who feels accomplished and who feels like they have everything, the one who is happy with what they have. That's the lesson of Sukkot. That's why it's Zman Simchasenu, which further explains why there's such a focus on rain. Yes, of course, it's the beginning of the rainy season, but we begin, we strip it all back, and we appreciate the basic elements of what brings us success. Rain is the big fundamental. Rain is what the Torah always discusses, is the reward or the punishment. I will have the rains, I will give the rains in their proper times. The rain is always the symbol of all of that. And when do we need this more? We never need this more as in Chag HaAsif, the holiday of the harvest, which is what Sukkot is, when Sukkot is at the end of the summer, when everything has dried out in the fields, you bring it in because now, we're going to put it in our storehouses for a very long, cold winter, and we feel pretty good about ourselves. We feel pretty good based on how many storehouses we filled, how much we have. That's the idea of the focus on the rain in the, particularly this time of harvest, to prioritize what it is that makes us happy. Is it the full storehouse? Is it the full bank account? Or is it the people around us? Is it the intangibles, the things that we create for ourselves? You might want to think about it that Yom Kippur is this existential question. Will we live this year? Will we be here? And then we immediately go into Sukkot, which is, how will we live? What will our lives be made of? How will we define what is important? How will we define what brings us joy? Zman Simchaseinu is the experience of being sheltered by God in the desert. It's the experience of having what you need and appreciating that that's what you need and realizing that that's truly what brings us happiness. Chag Sameach.